The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The Major Spoilers Podcast is sponsored in part by the Mid-Ohio Con, October 3rd and 4th in Columbus, Ohio. For more information, visit midohiocon.com. The show is also sponsored in part by Past Generation Toys. Past Generation Toys has a large selection of Star Wars, G.I. Joe, and Marvel toys. Visit them on the web at pastgenerationtoys.com. Welcome once again to the Major Spoilers Podcast. In this issue, we're talking with Dr. Peter Coogan. He's the director of the Institute for Comic Studies and the co-founder and co-chair of the Comic Arts Conference. And it's kind of apropos that we're talking to him today because we're going to be talking a little bit about San Diego Comic-Con as well as classes and schools where you can uh, get a degree or get credit learning about comic books. Dr. Coogan, welcome back to the Major Spoilers Podcast. Hi, Stephen. Good to be back. So uh, you had, probably, the last time we talked was right before the San Diego Comic-Con. It's now a couple of weeks after, and hopefully you've had a chance to catch your breath. What kind of a crazy show was that for you? Well, it was, uh, for me, it was great. I actually did very little con stuff, because I've we run, you know, 20 hours of programming, and then I have meetings with people and so forth. So, you know, I didn't get to see all the big show, all the big things, because I can't wait in line right. and that stuff. But uh, the conference was great. We had um, our, our sort of signature panel this year, which which in many ways represents the kind of platonic ideal of the conference, was uh, Is the Joker Psychopath? Mm-hmm. And we had Robin uh, Rosenberg, who is a clinical psychologist, right? Mm-hmm. works with psychopaths, actually. Oh, okay. Um, Travis Langley. A psychology professor, um, Jerry Robinson, creation, creator of the Joker, Steve Englehart, wow. who of course read yeah. the Joker with the Joker fish and so forth, Michael Uslan, producer of the Batman films, both the uh, Jack Nicholson Batman film and the uh, Heath Ledger Batman film, and at the last minute we were able to add Adam West. Ah, that's so cool. Oh, it was cool to represent sort of uh, you know the C- he could speak for Cesar Romero, right. And so we had this fantastic panel. People were talking about things, and and uh, we're really getting into the Joker. And Robin puts up the definition of the psychopath, and actually shows video, and then puts the symptoms down below. And you think, how did the writers of that cartoon or that show how did they know that about the psychopath? But of course they didn't. They just portrayed the character of the Joker, but it fit in ways that fit the clinical definition. Wow. So um, Travis Langley mentioned that uh, both Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson had trouble sleeping when they played the Joker. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Cesar Romero prepared for his roles, for his performance as a Joker, by napping. (laughs) (laughs) So Adam West goes in this little bit about how um, Romero would, he he portrays Romero, he goes back and falls asleep, and then he says the PA would come and it says you're needed on set. And he'd wake up and he'd be full of energy. So then there was a question um, 
about Harley Quinn. Is Harley Quinn good for the Joker? Right. It's good for the Joker. I have a girlfriend. And so there's different opinions. And, and Adam West says, I don't think Cesar Romero had a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and that set me up to close off the panel with, uh, with a, a, I killed basically. Um, <laughs> I said, uh, years ago, a friend of mine told me, a friend from grad school told me that her sister, who was an actress, mm-hmm. had had lunch with Cesar Romero. And she asked him, Mr. Romero, what can I do to get ahead in Hollywood? And he said, sweetie, sleep with everybody. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so that was my Cesar Romero sleeping uh, uh, little bit. Well, that sounds like... So an- it was... I was going to say that sounds like an awesome panel for people to sit in. Um, one of the things we had talked about the last time was, is is the transcript of these uh, available that people can get a hold of? Or how can people get copies of the papers that were presented at the, uh, at the, um, at the conference? Uh, they can get copies of the paper by just by emailing me at uh, comicstudies at gmail.com. Um, okay. We're also Institute for Comic Studies is on Facebook. We just did a big expansion of our web page at uh, instituteforcomicstudies.org. Excellent. Um, but we, we've got them on uh, DVD. We've got it. It's almost two gigabytes of material. Wow. That specific panel was videotaped. Oh, excellent. And it, I'm, I think it's going to be on YouTube because there was more than one camera running, but I'm going to find out where it is and when it's up, and, and uh, I'll let you know. Okay, certainly. It was an amazing panel. <laughs> Yeah, certainly do that. Um, one of the other things that's kind of cool, I mean, Adam West, we have our own interesting story about Adam West and one of our uh, major spoilers fans getting to just walk right up to Adam West and, and talk with him a little bit and get his autograph. But there are a lot of big celebrities that are running around the San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, in years past, we've heard about, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Sin from uh, Lost walks around, but he would have to wear a uh, uh, V for Vendetta mask, and we've heard other big celebrities having to walk around uh, with costumes on. Do you think people know, know people are celebrities under that stuff? I don't think they do. Uh, supposedly Peter Jackson was walking around with a star, uh, you know, star troop stormtrooper head on. Oh, cool. Um, Denzel Washington talked about, uh, that he wished he had done that, that he wished he had thought about it so he could get <laughs> on the floor. And my question is, uh, related to this, how good an actor is Johnny Depp? Because what I want to know, people have been saying for the past couple of years, the easiest way for him to do it is to dress up as Jack Sparrow, Captain Jack Sparrow. And you would think, of course, he would get picked out immediately. Of course, there were five or six Jack Sparrows walking around. (laughs) But I wonder, is he good enough as an actor to physically uh, portray a person walking around in a costume that's not Johnny Depp? So that when people hmm. would see him, they would think, Gosh, that's a great costume. You really look like Johnny Depp. But then they would say, "Oh, but you're obviously not." Right? C- can he pull that off? Is that the kind of an actor he is? And of course, maybe he already did, and we'll never know. Well, that's what I was going to say. When he did make that surprise appearance on the Alice in Wonderland panel, he was kind of wearing a puffy shirt. So maybe he was. Of course, that nobody said anything about the makeup or anything. But you know, if he were going to do that, the best way for him to do that would not walk around and have the mannerisms of Jack Sparrow because that would give it away. Instead, what he would probably should do is just walk around like a normal person in that costume and people wouldn't give him a second second glance. Well, they'd give him a second glance and then he'd take pictures of, of him, right. you know, get in pictures with him because they do that with the other Jack Sparrows. Right. And there's a... 
there's something that happens to Jack Sparrows, which if we get the if you want to go with the explicit label, I can tell you what it is. But let's just say <laughs> Jack Sparrows at Disneyland kind of get almost forcible offers by women. Wow. For something to happen, and they're actually <laughs> warned about this. Wow. So uh, if if you want, if you're if you're a guy and you're interested in <laughs> that sort of thing, um, you know. Go to Disneyland and get a job as Jack Sparrow, I guess. Excellent. <laughs> well, one of the things that's, you know, we're right around this weird time. It, the uh, San Diego Comic-Con happens at the end of July every year. And then the next thing that happens in August is school is starting back up. And so there are millions of comic book fans all across the nation and all across the world, really, who are going back to school. And so one of the things, we did this before almost a year ago or just a, a little uh, under a year ago where you came on and you were talking about schools and classes where people could learn about comic books and pop culture. And so I think I want to try to make this a yearly kind of event where we kind of prep people and let them know that if they're going to a school in this area, that their school may have a class for them that they might really dig. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great show, and I, I think it's a great topic for a show. So uh, we're ready. I've gotten some... Uh, I've gotten it's not even a representative sample, uh, but it's just a kind of slice of what's out there. It's what people sent me. Um, right. Along these lines, though, I will tell you that the Institute for Comic Studies is putting together a comic studies map and a comic studies calendar. Oh, that would be awesome. These, these will be online. We're, we're running the beta test right now. And what they will show is they will show every place in the country that has a comics collection and every place in the oh, country that cool. has uh, comics-friendly faculty and schools that have comics courses. And uh, ideally, what will happen is you'll be able to go in and you'll be able to see what's coming up and when, that we'll have enough advance notice. But um, there's something that I noticed. I sent you a, uh, a PDF of a, of a blog post by um, Kent uh, Wooster, who's a um, comics scholar up in New York. And he said that if you Google, you know, comics courses syllabi, mm -hmm. uh, you get an amazing... Uh, amount of stuff. Cool. And uh, there's there's another place where you can go, and I'll, I'll send you the link so you can post it. There, where you can actually get syllabi that are posted. And so there's a lot more out there than just what we're going to talk about today. What we're going to talk about today are just some of the courses that uh, people from uh, the Comic Scholars Discussion List have sent me. Mm -hmm. And I've got uh, some fall, okay. some uh, spring, and a couple of summer and other. So if anybody's going to Portugal, for instance, oh, awesome! There's comics classes. Study abroad and learn about yep. comics in Europe. Cool. Well, why don't we just go ahead and start with fall classes? Fall classes right. that are occurring in 2009 at schools all across North America, <laughs> including Canada. Um, and it seems—I don't know for whatever reason, Peter—but it seems like right along that border region between the United States and Canada, there seems to be a lot of schools that have comic book studies. Uh, there's uh, Bowling Green, University of uh, Michigan, and some other places that do that. But what does the University of Alberta have in store for people who are interested in, in comics? Well, University of Alberta has a, it's taught by Gail DeVos, and it's listed as LIS 404-518. And to be honest, I'm not sure what LIS is, but uh, it might be a library class, because it says comic books and graphic novels in schools and public libraries. And they examine the history and contemporary reality of comic book publishing and readership in Canada, Great Britain, Japan, and the United States. So it's a nice inter international course. Mm -hmm. And issues related to the perception of the format by educators, librarians, and readers. Focuses on collection development, censorship concerns and challenges, gender issues and readership and content, 
genres and impact of the internet. So it's a real class about the kind of public perception of the comic book format, history, mm-hmm. uh, and really, I think, aimed at, you know, it says schools and public libraries. So that would be a good class for um, administrators to take, school administrators, teachers, people who are looking to get comics introduced into their institutions. This oh, yeah. would definitely help out with talking about the issues. And what's interesting, you know, got McLeod, and they also have a book by James Sturm called Adventures in Cartooning. Mm, mm-hmm. It's published at his Center for Cartoon Studies, right? Uh, which is a, a comic school that he opened up. But um, it's just an amazing amount of stuff, anything from uh, Bechtel's Fun Home to Andy Rutten's Owley, Persepolis, uh, Gina Yang, American-born Chinese, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of manga. And, but this raises an interesting point um, that in a lot of the classes uh, that I sent you, you see um, American-born Chinese, Persepolis, right. Right. Mouse, uh, Fun Home, and uh, Understanding Comics right. come up repeatedly. So I, I think there's... One of the ways canon develops is through the institutionalization of certain texts that are taught in classes on college campuses. Right. They're de facto more important because teachers decide to use them. So I think we're seeing the emergence of, of a canon of, um, of at least the, uh, the primary works and even with McLeod, a canon of the secondary works. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. That that's a that's an interesting thing in in academia the way um, well, canon develops and and you and I are both educators and we've had to go before committees to get our courses approved and it seems to me that if you've got American born Chinese and Persepolis and all of these others on there it's going to be a lot easier to get that course approved if you're talking about some let's face it some serious topics as opposed to the history of Superman. Right. And all you've got is a bunch of Superman comics listed for people to read. Absolutely. And and uh, Mouse and Persepolis are two interesting cases because, you know, Mouse came along, won the Pulitzer Prize. Right. Uh, and 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 but it really came out, obviously, from Spiegelman, long tradition in comics, um, fought for comics, promoted comics. Um, Persepolis and, and you know, uh, Jimmy Corrigan, obviously fantastic piece of work, but again, came out of somebody who produced comics right 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 persepolis kind of comes in it just happens to be a graphic novel Mm -hmm. you know and that it gets perceived because with mouse it's it's status as a comic book was you know a point of contention from day one from the review in the new york times but persepolis comes in and because of its content uh, which is serious and, and legitimate. kind of reminds me of uh, reading Lolita in Tehran because mm-hmm. it deals with some of the same issues right. about being a woman in Tehran and, and, and growing up and coming of age. And it fits into so many of the kind of classic uh, literary genres, and yet it's got words and pictures. Mm-hmm. But it seems to have just, because of a number of these factors, maybe because you know uh, of the author's kind of outsider status, I'm not sure what it is, um, you know, she she doesn't come out of an, a history of American cartooning. It seems to have gained acceptance easily, uh, and maybe it's just that Mouse and these other books paved the way. Right. But it it seems to strike me as the sort of first big step that that we're taking in the kind of normalization of comics in the academy. Not the mm-hmm. first big, not the first step, but 
I think it's a significant step that it's comicsness isn't special. Right. It's, an, it's ordinary. Right. It's nobody. Re- I mean, of course, people, when they teach it, teach the comics aspects of it. Mm-hmm. But it's not it, it's not connected to that larger sort of tradition and an argument about the place of comics. It's just it's a useful text. Right. That happens to be a graphic novel. And and maybe for this particular class, if we're talking about library services, and that's maybe what LIS stands for, um, it seems to me that these are the kind of books that libraries are really interested in getting. And I don't know if, if this is a correct fact or not. I think I've heard it from many different places that, you know, the uh, trade paperback, the hardback uh, industry really owes itself to libraries because if, you know, one library picks uh, or, you know, if one library decides to pick up one copy of like an absolute edition and every library in the nation did that that's something like a hundred thousand copies of that absolute edition that could be sold so having some titles like this might be a good way to get uh library services people into understanding the impact and the draw that some of these titles can have and and that that's absolutely true when i was at the um icv2 conference uh, right day before comic con Mm -hmm. um a librarian uh, from uh, from a New York library talked about how you know comics and graphic novels are this growth in terms of, of checkout mm-hmm. right and and there's a one um, I read a statistic that at one library in just two years it went up thirteen thousand percent Wow checkouts for graphic wow. novels wow. thirteen thousand <laughs> percent I don't incredible. I don't know what that means in terms of the math <laughs> but um yeah, it was this it's just this insane leap and what it means is, is that you know libraries they they everybody has numbers to deal with. Right. And the books that are getting checked out and are bringing people in, you know, they get they get attention and they get funding. And so I think that we're in a really interesting point. Um and the more that that stuff is in the libraries, the more you get the kind of stamp of approval and that can ease um, teaching in classes, but teaching in classes also promotes the library, and it's a really, uh, it's a really interesting kind of interrelated circle. There. Mm-hmm. Well, we were just kind of talking about you know how some of those titles are really serious. There's a there's a course at, at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland that really kind of looks at comic books from the superhero standpoint. It's a University Seminar uh, USSY two seventy five colors, capes, and characters. Yeah, and this is taught by Brad Ricca, who's a friend of mine. Of course, in comic scholarship, almost everybody's a friend of mine because <laughs> it's not a big world. Right. Um, and he actually – he was out at uh, Comic-Con with a great panel on the strange state of Siegel and Schuster scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to see something hilarious, uh, Craig Yo, who recently did Secret Identity, it's about these right. uh, 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 kind of – bondage drawings that joe schuster did he's got a great little uh, a clip on his website it's uh, go to yo studios and you'll find it or secret i secret identity joe schuster just you'll find the video the thing of, about uh, and brad also did a, a documentary called last sun which i'm using in in my class it's about the creation of superman um yeah he's looking at the superhero comic book as a site for uh, questions about the intersections of art and popular culture in america mm-hmm and so he's going to look at figures like Popeye and Superman, Wonder Woman, the X-Men, and the larger-than-life characters and caricatures of, of dominant and subversive American ideologies that have emerged from these. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to look at the genre, but also interrogate what it means to truly read comics artistically, politically, culturally, and symbolically. Because he said, you know, at heart, it, it, when you're reading comics, it's, it's an exercise in interpretation. 
there's visual symbols. What meaning do you take from them? What can comics tell about us? How can we write about them in intelligent, critical ways? Mm-hmm. And what are the what are the approaches that you can use to get into comics? It found, sounds like a fascinating class. Oh yeah, and certainly when you and we don't have the book list for this particular course, but I'm sure understanding comics is is the de facto book on there. You know, it's kind of really interesting when we compare something with uh, a Superman comic or a Wonder Woman comic and try to compare that to Mouse. It's really almost a night and day difference in how people interpret the message and how really um, the visual message is played out in those pages. For example, I was just reading um, uh, Darwin Cook's Parker the Hunter uh, series that just came out a couple of weeks ago. And it is a totally different read than picking up an issue of Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. And I had have you had a chance to read read that uh, Darwin Cook piece yet? No, I haven't. It it is fantastic. It's totally different. Is it one of his noir books? Yeah, his, it's uh, crime books. Yeah, it's Parker the Hunter. That um, I forget who the um, Stark was the original writer, but um, you know, it's all monotone color. It's all shades of blue and black. Uh, it doesn't follow a conventional comic book layout, and in fact, it's not even printed in what we might consider a graphic novel format. It's actually printed in a hardcover. It's probably maybe a 5 by 7 size, and it's probably about 120 pages or so. So it's really interesting to see how that changes from uh, one to another. And there's, you know, maybe this class at the uh, Seattle Central Community College uh, might be something that can look at the difference between graphic novels and comic books and how there are some differences in them. Yeah, and it's uh, taught by Leonard Riffis, who's... Um... He's been around in comics forever. He uh, publishes Edu Comics. Uh, did a, a, a book called "I Saw It" about the dropping of uh, of the atomic bomb. Uh, actually, it's, he translated and published it. Oh, I see. Um, it was published originally in Japan. Uh, yeah, uh, they're looking at the history, achievements, and problems of comic books and graphic novels. Um, excuse me. Um, they're looking at the way comics have gained legitimacy to become a respected medium, and um, they're kind of even getting into the visual language and media literacy that comes out of reading comics by mm-hmm. surveying the history of the comics and graphic novels in relation to art and literature and film, your know, other media and looking at the ethical problems of representation. Cause of course comics have been used to represent a variety of people in a variety of ways, including through propaganda and caricature and, and, and stereotype. And they're going to study the cartoonist works as channels of human expression and as evidence of changing and differing cultural conditions. So, um, you know, this is the great, the great thing here is we've got, you know, ranging ranges of classes from case Western to, um, you know, community college. There's one, we don't have a description of it, but Kent uh, Wooster is teaching, um, uh, this uh, criti- comics criticism of the School of Visual Arts oh, cool. uh, in in New York, and so it's really interesting the ways in which comics are entering the academy um, at all these different levels. Right, and so there's some that are strictly talking about uh, the graphic novel as literature, such as the one uh, being taught by. Uh... Uh, where is this College of Charleston in Charleston, South Carolina? You've got some that are just looking at the history of the graphic narrative, like Robert Peterson's class in Eastern Illinois University, um, and then you've got some that are just looking at comic books as culture, such as this uh, Com Two Twenty A topics class being taught uh, at Wittenberg University. Yeah, and uh, Matt Smith there at Wittenberg University, he teaches the uh, comics course at Comic Con. So if you if you ah. want to attend Comic Con. As a student, 
Um, it's uh, they use ethno ethnographic methods. Mm -hmm. um, and it's taught. It's offered every summer, and then people present their findings uh, during the Comics Arts Conference. Um, and uh, yeah, this comic books is culture because it's a communications class, and that's the interesting thing is that comics, um, by their very nature, uh, resist disciplinarity. You know, they're the words and pictures, mm -hmm. and so. People, I think people feel free, although there's been a tradition to come at comics out of English departments because they're texts. And that's right. why you find the, the, the frequent classes on comic books as culture or comic books as literature, comics, graphic novels, and literature. And the rise of the graphic novel has, in fact, lent itself to um, exploitation or use in English departments. There's going to be a class at Webster University on graphic novels. Washington University, in fact, there's a faculty member there planning a class on graphic novels. Mm -hmm. So these are, you know, it's getting into the so sort of the higher end schools. But uh, this communications class looks at uh, the qualities that the sort of disposable artifacts of popular culture, um, uh, how you raise that to the level of an aesthetic experience. So how you move from sort of trash to treasure, as it were. You know, and um, what's really interesting about these courses is the way they have to fit into university requirements so for instance this uh, right, communications right. course we're talking about at wittenberg it fits the fine performing and literary arts general education requirement and you know that's the way courses get accepted mm -hmm. is they need to fit into the existing framework um i'm working on a, a comic study certificate and the most important thing is what objectives mm-hmm does it does it reach is it the critical thinking objective is the, the writing is the reading so these are all a part of of getting comics into academia and uh, you know as a communications course this looks at the historical theoretical and critical arguments uh, about the medium the way the medium is is supposed to enrich and express the human experience mm -hmm. and the second is to they're going to look at the best and actually worst examples of comics because oh, good. you know th that's the other thing is you tend to find that uh classes were look at the very sort of best examples right right, right. but those aren't always the kind of average examples right mm -hmm. and and it depends if you're looking at kind of a from a from a literature point literary point of view from uh, an English department you're going to tend to read Persepolis and Maus and uh, uh, Jimmy Corrigan and uh, the uh, American Chinese but you know I I'm teaching a history class and you know we're going to after Watchmen you know I'm, we're going to have I'm going to have them read some image stuff of the not not you know like the bad image stuff <laughs> the image not content <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. or you know have look at some of the um, I've got a, you know an Avengers I think that the Kang conspiracy or something from 1990, it's unreadable. Really? I mean, literally, like the page, the page layout is just there's no flow to it. It's mm -hmm. it's a terrible comic book, and yet I think I'm going to have my students read it because they need to see what the sort of you know that's part of the history of 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 comics in America. Well, and it's also a part of appreciation of the arts. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, c certainly sitting in an art appreciation class, you look at some examples of bad art and you try to discern why is it bad or what makes it good or what makes this better than than the next. So certainly a, a class like this where you can compare high quality versus maybe what might be considered low quality uh, in the classroom, I think is is a great approach to to teaching a topic. 
Yeah, and what's an interesting thing about Matt Smith's class is he's using um, his own book, uh, mm -hmm. which is uh, that's legit. I use my own book, um, and it, his book is called The Power of Comics: History, Form, and Culture. It's a comics textbook, mm -hmm. and it's available from Continuum. It just came out. Oh, okay. Um, I'm I'm still waiting for my copy from Continuum. <laughs> so if you're listening out there, Continuum. Uh, no, I, I love Continuum. They they send me uh, they send me books and and uh, I love that for I love them for that. But uh, you know, and that's a textbook. But also looking at the books he's using, Bechtel, Fun Home, Eisner, mm -hmm. Contract with God, mm -hmm. Miller, Sin City, uh, Moore, Watchmen, right? Uh, right. Sacco, Safe Air Garage, does Simon and Kirby, Best of Simon and Kirby. He uses Mouse and then Jeff Smith Bone. Yeah. So you know, again, if you look at these courses that are taught, kind of over and over again, and the, the things there, there is this emerging canon mm -hmm. that we're starting to see, and part of it's based upon availability, but part of it's also just based upon, um, you, you know, what what works, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah. the other thing for for people, if they're looking, or I should say, people, students who are out there looking for a comic book or a pop culture class at their university, a lot of them are probably going to start in the English department. Mm -hmm. And that's probably not the best place to start. For example, Matt's class is in the communication studies uh, department. The class that I teach on comic books to film is an interdisciplinary course, so it's got an IDS number. The course that you teach, is that a, is that a history course or is that a... Uh, uh, I'm teaching a history course this fall. The superhero class I teach is a communications course. I'm okay. teaching uh, Intro to Comic Studies in the spring, and that's a communications course. Um, I'm I'm looking... I'm hoping to teach one at Wash U, um, uh, maybe an English class, but uh, 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 but it, through the university college, which is the evening college. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. um, uh, because that's where I've been teaching over there. So yeah, typically history, English, communications, history, and sometimes in the art department. Those are the those are the first places to kind of usually start. Most comics classes will fall into one of those categories, mm -hmm. uh, which isn't to say somebody in another department wouldn't do it, but you're un you're not that likely to find a comics class in, in the math department. So. Right. Well, yeah, that's true. Although there is, I don't know if you've seen this, these uh, manga comics that have like uh, the manga guide to statistics and the manga guide to calculus. It's very, it's very wild in how that they're trying to teach that, that, uh, that approach. So Maybe there would be yeah. a way to use education in comics. You you had yeah. mentioned your course, um, Intro to mm -hmm. Comic Studies and the Superhero. Some people may not be w ready to start classes in the uh, fall, or maybe they've already got their classes lined up. Let's look ahead to spring of 2010 and see what we have on the lineup there. And why don't you go ahead and talk right. about the one that you're doing at, or the two that you're doing at Webster University. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm really hoping that I get a third one, because uh, if I get a third one and it's about comics, I have a... An all comics semester. Oh wow! So, cool. Uh, yeah, the the one that I'm I'm uh, working on, uh, perhaps teaching over at WashU, uh, won't won't specifically be a comics class, but it'll be a kind of practical criticism class. Mm -hmm. uh, but it can have it can have a variety of focuses. So it may be a comics focus, it may be a different focus. Um, but yeah, I'm teaching my superhero class again, which is an eight week class. Uh, we look at the genre, and um, we we do a very funny thing. Uh, which is we start off the class by looking at, um, you know, the movie, the aristocrats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that we, I actually use that to establish the idea of genre. Okay. We look at there's online, there's a bunch of videos, there's a mime doing it. There's South park. And, and what emerges <laughs> is, is students 
come to understand that there's this aristocrats genre mm-hmm. and they get the rules of genre. And I tried to do it in a different way. I tried to do it with these Japanese puppet theater and I tried, but you know what? I needed a bunch of short things. So we start off the class with the filthiest joke in the world <laughs> over and over and yeah, over yeah, yeah. and over again. And I always warn the students. I let them know. I say, you know, if you're easily offended, but this really is the best way. I'm, I'm actually going to use the same technique in my Westerns class. So, um, yeah, but so we look at, I, I, I use my book for that. And so we look at, you know, what are the conventions of the genre? How do they operate? Um, I have an assignment in there that's really cool. I have the students do um, what I call template. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're the PA at, at the, you know, a studio, you work for a producer. And he says, you know, I, I just got the Green Lantern movie. Who's Green Lantern? No good. You know, or I just got the, you know, the, the Deadpool movie. What, right. what, what is that? What is a Deadpool? Right. I, you know, and so they have to put together a kind of the core of the character, mission powers and identity, villains, secret identity, uh, friends and, and lovers, you know, core themes, um, uh, you know, important storylines. Right. And they do this kind of all from a distance. So you can, if they have the comics, that's great. But there's an amazing amount of stuff you can find just on the web. And if you look at it, what's on the sort of secondary stuff, you find what rises to the top for this character, what's important. Mm-hmm. And the really good ones, I swear, what I really want to do is when I find somebody's got a movie, I just want to send the A, uh, the A templates to them and say, look, pay attention to this. Right, right. If you follow this, you'll make a good movie. Right. You know? So uh, um, hopefully one day I'll be hooked into Hollywood and I'll be able to do that. Um, and my intro to comic <laughs> studies, what we're looking at there is the uh, – the different uh, disciplinary perspectives on on comics. So we're going to use a comic studies reader okay. and look at the way you know legitimation and and sort of uh, close reading, um, but also comics as art. Um, uh, theory Gronstein about the definition and and uh, the construction of space in comics, but then also look at uh, the way comics you know tell history. And some of the history of comics and debates and my definition of superhero. Uh, and I'm going to use a, a couple of other books, too. But um, that's really to look at comics from sort of how are we studying comics in the in the academy? Mm-hmm. And you know how are we kind of creating an, what's called an interdiscipline or a, 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 what's the multidisciplinary approach to comics? Right. So it's, it's a new class. And, and uh, certainly – Certainly when people are looking at their course catalogs, they may want to look for classes that are cross-listed. Some of them are Mm -hmm. going to be in both communication and English. Um, Here's one that I found that's really interesting at the University of Texas at Austin. It's a special topics class, which special topics classes are generally classes that are, well, at the universities that I've been at, they can only be taught three times before they're moved into a regular course. Uh, But this special topics class, and it may only be offered once and may be offered multiple times down the line, it's uh, uh, special topics in rhetoric and writing, and uh, this year's topic in the spring of 2010, they're going to be examining the rhetoric of comic books, and they are going to examine the medium of comic books and other sequential art, uh, and the arguments uh, that, and they're going to argue what makes it a unique form. Yeah, they're going to look at the way that there's not a good word for this. Heidi McDonald came up with comics matics. Oh yeah. Of, branch off cinematics and it's what i call the comics of comics or mm-hmm. the kind of visual linguistics mm-hmm. um so they're going to look at that and look at the ways you know it's a rhetoric course 
And so they're really looking at the way uh, uh, the comics act as a, you know, there's a kind of lens, you know, they will look at rhetoric and right. the way comic books are viewed through that lens mm-hmm. and the way that comic books are medium to themselves, the, the sequential art and the way in which that the, the, the rhetoricians, the comic book artists, you know, use that rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because that is a course that's, you know, specific to comics. For instance, you, you could look at, um, uh, you know, a class on Jewish literature might include mouse. Right. But then it's not the really the comics of it, but the content. And so here they're really looking into what what makes comics comics and how does it work mm-hmm. and uh, um and so that's really getting kind of kind of beyond but again it's interesting what comes up uh, understanding comics yeah and Persepolis mm-hmm. um and another book by Kent Wooster um arguing comics literary masters on a popular medium but it's interesting they're also using everything's an argument yeah. uh, by Andrew Lunsford mm-hmm. um used to be at Ohio State and then was at Stanford actually my uh, uh my wife had her as a teacher and uh, that's a straightforward book that you use in a rhetoric class. Right. So that's a real sense in which in which comics are becoming a kind of normal thing because you might use everything's an argument to look at political communication, political mm-hmm. ads, and so forth. You could use it uh, to look at television, to look at film, to look at novels, to look at you know anything. And so it's really great that comics are being taught this way because it means that they're they're normal. Yep. And that's that's always good for a lot of people, especially people that are trying to argue the the legitimacy of of the medium. Yeah, let's let's jump ahead or go ahead. You were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say, why don't we leap to sort of uh, my uh, category of other? Yeah, yeah, that's summer. what I was going to ask because you had mentioned about this uh, class being ta- taught in uh, Portugal, and I want to hear all about that. Yeah, well, this came from uh, you know it's funny when I put out the uh, the request. Um, I got back somebody saying, oh, well, you must be just looking at uh, American stuff. And I said, huh, not so, <laughs> because major spoilers, it's worldwide. It it's is. global. It is. And so, you know, I, I do want to find out what's being offered. And I ultimately hope for that comic studies map to encompass the world. But uh, so professor over there, Pedro Mora, um, talked about in Lisbon, you could take um, at Arco. And I don't, you know, I don't know the names of these schools and everything, but uh it's a free course of comics and illustration in three years. And the last year is uh, entirely guided on a personal project. So this looks oh, like cool. a degree sort of in making comics. Yeah. Um, and you can take it as a regular student or as a kind of working adult student in the evening. Uh, it has drawing, art skills, uh, uh, the comics of comics, writing for comics, which is what he teaches, book design. Wow. And a little the sort of historical and theoretical approach to illustration and comics. Uh, and um, he's got a link. Um, um, and I think you take all that stuff that I sent you and kind of maybe reduce it. Yeah. And just put it up there so people can follow up. But like yeah. I said, Google comics courses. Um, in Lisbon. At the University of Fine Arts, uh, there's several free courses on animation, illustration, and comics. Um, usually one-week intensive courses on a specific technique or aspect of comics and illustration making. Uh, Pedro's offering uh, in September on, and uh, running into February a two-part um, course on history and illustration, a history of illustration and of comics. Cool. And he's going to, you know, take in a kind of worldview. Um, Portuguese, Japanese, mm-hmm. 
uh, American French comics. Yeah. And so uh, that looks fascinating. And then up in, um, it says, it's called the ESAP Guarmeries. Sorry. Uh, it's an art school in uh, Guarmeries. And it's a bachelor and a master's degree on oh, comics cool. and illustration. And the wow. second on, on you know, So there's lots of stuff. And it's funny because when he sent me the email, he's like, well, we don't really have a tradition here. And yet. They do. You know, who wants to go to an art school in Portugal and get a bachelor's degree essentially in sequential art? Yeah. Uh, I bet that would be sweet. I think it would be, too. And and we just wrapped up with Comic-Con, but we had talked about this before. Maybe you can go a little bit more in depth about the uh, uh, the field study and popular culture that goes on at Comic-Con International. Yeah, sure. Um, they, they've taught it. Matt has taught it there for three years, and it's it's um, it's evolved. The first year he had, I think, eight students or so, nine students, and he actually had Matt Putz, who wrote a book called Comic Book Cultures. It's a, a his version of a dissertation. Mm-hmm. And so they they meet throughout the week um, and read. They read books on ethnography and collecting and so forth. And it's not an ethnographic. It's not an ethnography class, but it's a class that uses ethnographic materials. Right. I have to say that in case my friend Stanford Carpenter at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago is listening, because he's an ethnographer. He's a real. He's a genuine ethnographer, and he always likes to make that distinction. <laughs> um, uh, although they're all all anthropologists are like that, the same thing came up in my American Studies class when we were talking about it. So it's a, you know it's disciplinary projection, right? But um, you know what they do there is they uh, so they meet, they talk about these things, and then they pick different areas and they fan out among the fans and among the uh, attendees and the pros and and interview people and observe and and this year <laughs> there was this great thing. Um, somebody was talking about Twitter. Right. That was that was one of the students' particular areas, and there was a reporter from the LA Weekly twittering about the Twitter on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> you know, really? She's tweeting wow. about Twitter and the class. Wow. So that was kind of funny. And another one was great. Um, this is a, a actually a guy who's a grad student now and has taken the course I think twice and actually uh, may be involved in teaching in the future. Um, and he talked about. The, um, the sort of language of fans. So he, he observed people who asked questions during panels and kind mm. of what kinds of questions they ask. And, and you know, is there uh, – what sort of signals do they get of approval and disapproval? Do they get from uh, the professionals? You know, and there's this whole sort of way of policing the kinds of questions that get asked. The, yeah. the, the audiences react to, to, to good questions and to bad questions. The uh, the pros up on stage react to him, and so he's got a nice sort of taxonomy of those questions. So, in fact, if you're going to Comic-Con and you want to ask a question, you should read this paper. Wow. Um, it, which, you know, you can get from once – they're going to get the papers in. The papers were due yesterday, so Matt should send them to me uh, anytime, and then I'll have them available um, on the DVD uh, stuff. And so if you really want to ask a question, it would be good to know what – is the what are the mores of question asking at Comic-Con? Yeah. You can find out. Well, I wonder, did he have to be present at those panels, or was he able to go and, for example, listen to the uh, podcasts of, of these uh, shows from, like, DC Comics? They put all of their panels up complete with questions. Now, of course, you're not getting the uh, the visual cues, but you're cer- certainly getting all the auditory cues. 
you know, I, I think that would be possible. That would be a way he could expand what he was doing if he if he were interested in writing a longer work on it or doing a thesis or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, within the context of the course, it's it's right there. You know, they okay. they actually are required to spend eight hours a day out collecting stuff. Wow, seeing things, go panels. They have to go to at least one comics arts conference panel. Uh, mostly, I think that's related to the fact that they're going to. Um, to get credit. present at the comic oh, okay. but it's also, you know, they they really need to spend their time, and they do it. Um, they spend. It's amazing because the first year, you know, the students were we were sort of lucky to have, you know, four minutes of material mm-hmm. because it's a kind of big scary thing. You know, you're out, you're doing this stuff. It's a national conference. You got a uh, hundred people in the audience, right? And, you know, you're an undergrad. You're presenting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now this boy, the students were so polished this year. Um, they've gotten more and more polished and, and every year they get better at it. And, and in fact, this year it was just like they were presenting, just like anybody else presenting. Oh, excellent. There's none of that nervousness. Uh, they're a really fantastic group. And, uh, you know, I, I've been going to Comic-Con since 91, but that's one of my favorite panels because I actually, I learned things about Comic-Con. And, and culture so, in general. And culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you and, know- and we've got past papers on there. There was a, there was a whole great taxonomy last year of of people and, and, and the kind of – you go from sort of Hollywood stars mm-hmm. to comic book stars and there's this whole – to other pros and then, um, you know, like people in costume get, get higher points, but good costumes. People in bad costumes fall <laughs> down below, yeah. right? There's, you know, poorly made costumes or costumes that are insulting in some way or right. kind of mocking. That they fall down in estimation, and so I had never thought about that hierarchy. But when the paper, and we've got, like I said, we've got that paper on the disc. When that, when when the student read that, uh, uh, read it and talked about their findings, I was just blown away because I was like, "That's exactly right," you know? Wow, yeah, cool. So give the website and the email contact again, Doctor Coogan, if people are so interested in gathering this information. Sure, it's comics studies, and that's there's two S's there. C O M I C S S T U D I E S. Comics studies at uh, gmail.com. Okay. And then instituteforcomicstudies.org. Okay. I get you to the website. Okay. And um, you know, we we're also encouraging people. I have to put up a formal little join button, but I talk about get it in the database. I encourage people to send me their information. Uh, and I'll put them in my database, and then when something happens, I'll send out an alert or whatever. And also join us on Facebook. Yeah. We've got about 600 friends on uh, on Facebook in our group, and we send out announcements through there. That's kind of our easiest kind of dynamic site. Okay. For getting and that information. says com- Comic Studies? Right. Okay. And we've got coming up, we've got um, uh, Wizard World University Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's coming up this weekend. We've got uh, three panels. Okay. Uh, we got Dragon Con. Yeah. Um, and we're looking to expand um, into other conventions. Um, I should have some announcements on that in the future. Uh, we may be doing something at uh, uh, involved in something at uh, like the Miami Book Fair. And I've got a couple other things like that, uh, uh, more professional academic things that we're just looking into doing right now. OK, well, so, it sounds like Facebook is the place to uh Get the yep. get the lead on all that and share information with people. And Dr. Coogan, I want to thank you once again for being a part of the Major Spoilers experience and sharing all this great information. Hopefully there's some people out there that, you know, if you listen closely what we were talking about, some of these classes are actually free. Some of them, of course, you might pay a little tuition for. But if you learn more about the medium, then that's great for us because we know that you want to learn about comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you next time. And if you take a class on comics, 
Email me about it, and I'll put it on the map. Fat Dick's revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. Stark Raven reads like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009.